Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellino. Alongside me, as always, Dairy Field Boys Lacrosse Coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for joining me. Joe, it's a pleasure. The season's uh, season's flown by, and uh, we got what? We got five days. We got five days left here. Yeah, we are um, we are coming at everyone on a. Uh, uh, well, you'll be listening to this on a Tuesday which is, uh, I hope it doesn't throw your week off as much as maybe it is me. I know I just, we, <laughs> we were chatting a little bit before we started here, and I said, God, it feels like a Wednesday because we're sitting here getting ready to do this. I'm going to, that's really going to screw up my week. <laughs> <laughs> we are, uh, of course, recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us questions or feedback uh, by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Um after this week, we'll go back to our regularly scheduled uh, uh, time of Thursday mornings. Uh, of course, you can always listen to these uh, uh, current episodes, past episodes at nh-highschoolsports.com or on iTunes. Uh, also, just want to remind everyone, too, that if you're coming to the site Tuesday morning, uh, you're also going to see a extra episode of the season. Um, well, maybe not extra. I mean, it was going to be. It's the next one. Um, but we're doing two this week, so it'll be one Tuesday, one Friday. Uh, so you can get your, your lacrosse fixed now since it's been about two days since there's been a playoff game. And, uh, of course, uh, the yearbooks are still up for sale. Uh, you can still get the discounted price. Uh, decided to bump that back to the end of the week. Um, you know, you, there's a story on the page, main page of nh-highschoolsports.com. You can click there. There's a link inside it. Or if you look at that tab on the top of the page, it says lacrosse yearbook. You can click on that, take you right to the info page, and you can grab your copy. Like we talked about last week, a lot of a lot of great information in there. A lot of lot of um, all the great articles that you you've had all season long. Um, that if we missed any, well, they're there in print, and it's a great keepsake for uh, for the end of the season. Great little uh, reminder of the of the wonderful season we've had, and sort of a lead into the playoffs here. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I like um, you know one thing that that I I kind of miss out on with doing this. Of course, I was I worked for newspapers, you know, for a little more than a decade before doing this and it was always nice to see stuff in print and i know people like to you know clip out things if they still get a paper yeah yeah i don't know if anyone still does that or not with the you know when I, maybe they print things off the internet i don't i don't know um but you know this gives i think gives people an opportunity to have that physical copy you know i i to, love it I, I put together i still do that i do print the things off i put together a little yearbook for my guys every year uh regardless of how the season turns out of all the different stories that have been in the newspaper, other things like that. So, um, you know, in your and all of your stuff is uh, is a great addition to that. So, highly recommend people to do that. And uh, you know, uh, you mentioned the uh, the past archives there. Well, I think that's a great lead into uh, to the to the preview here. You can go back and find out how good we were at the beginning of the season, <laughs> and uh, and kind of see our predictions and see if things held true here. I think. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I think I was pretty dead on, and I think uh, not that not that it, you know most most people probably have these teams, but uh, everything's held to chalk so far with uh, with the seeds one through four in the boys division one. The boys, yeah, the only um, only one so far. Well, we had Goffstown. I mean, f I don't know if you count four or five. Sticking in division, Sti sticking in, in division one. Oh, in division. Oh, okay, okay. Just in division I, one. I, I must have um, I must have just missed that for a second there. We had, had we had there. <laughs> um, you know um, what I think? I think we nailed most of the playoff field. We talked about uh, teams like Dover, Timberland, Nashua South, Concord, uh, Hanover. You know where do they fit into that? Into the the bottom half of the bracket? Who are who are going to be the teams that made up those? Uh, you know, sort of four through four through nine seeds there. 
um, and and it kind of played out the way way we thought. You know, um, good drama all the way through the season there. I love the way that uh, the season went where Timberlane lost four one-goal games and the Lax Gods smile upon them and Coach Blaska gets a, gets a one-goal victory over Nashua South to, uh, to advance to play Bishop Girton in the next round. But uh, just a, a, a nice, nice way for them. It was an unfortunate ending for Nashua South, of course. You right, know, with, yeah, uh, yeah. Coach Munson did a great job with those guys and a, a lot of young talent there. But uh, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, they um, – it, it's – that wasn't a very senior-laden group for them. A um, lot of underclassmen there. I know they had some injuries at, at certain points this year, um, but big for them, I think, to, to kind of maybe taste a little bit of adversity like that. Um, rough finishing stretch for them. Um, and then to be able to just get in the playoffs and host a playoff game and, and, and get what that feels like. Uh, but I, I did pull up here our uh, – well, I don't know if I – I have my preseason predict- predictions here. Um I'll go through them real quick. I had, as playoff teams in D1, I had Pinkerton, Exeter, BG, Sauhegan, South, Londonderry, Timberlane, and then I had two, that didn't, I had Dover and Salem in there. Um, instead, we got um, Hanover, and now why am I drawing a Timberlane. blank on the, I got Timberlane on there. I had, I actually got, I got Timberlane. Give me that, I got that one. Um, Concord, I'm sorry. There you go. They were the uh, the ninth team in there, or, or one of the nine teams that were in there. So I got at seven out of nine. I, I feel like that might um, that'd be pretty good. But I and I got three out of the four final four teams here. Did not have Sauhegan, uh in the final four. And and I see they made me look good. I you remember I I liked them in the beginning of the yeah, season. I liked yeah. the talent they had coming back. And I said that's going to be. I said that that was going to be the thing. You're going to go from missing the playoffs to to a Final Four team. That doesn't happen too often. I mean, no, it does not. That's a pretty good story. Not right in there not in itself. lacrosse, at least. Not in lacrosse. Sports, no, yeah. it, it's uh, when uh, when you when you miss the playoffs and then return most of those kids. Um, you know, it, it it rarely happens. So you know, and you you had Sauhegan playing in that quarterfinal Saturday against Hanover, and and in really a matchup of of two teams whose coaches did tremendous jobs this year. Um, and, you know, and getting those teams into those positions. And, and really, um, you know, I mean, that was quite a game. It was very low scoring, a um, lot of defense. Goalies both played outstanding. Uh, John Loans was, was you know, uh, uh, on fire in that fourth quarter. I mean, he made, uh, he made some good saves throughout the game, but kind of down the stretch, um, you know, it wasn't it, – it had the feel of – good win for Sauhegan as the game was happening in that fourth quarter, but they were only up by, by four. Um, he made a couple of really big sprawling kind of, you know, where he had to go from side to side kind of saves in the last four or five minutes that if he doesn't make those, it's all of a sudden it's a six, four, six, game. five game. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, you know, like you, like you touched upon a tremendous job by both coaches, coach Bertrand at one point, that team was sitting at four and five right. on the season. Yep. You know, kind of reeling a little bit with some some bigger losses to some of the the teams there. You know that they that maybe teams expected them to lose to, but the way they lost, yeah, not and the that way. way. They, yeah, it, by how many goals they had lost, that that was going to be a tough one to bounce back from. And I remember we sat here and said that that game against Concord, the fall after after Pinkerton was going to be a huge one. They got that victory, and then they just kept rolling after that. Uh, so a tremendous job by Coach Bertrand to keep his kids. Uh, focused and motivated and believing in themselves throughout the season and then I don't think you can overlook the job that coach Gardner did up at at Hanover this year Uh, I've been told that he was voted coach of the year by his peers in division one well deserved you know taking a team that I don't think anyone thought that had as much talent as some of these other teams getting the five seed 
and playing a style of lacrosse that tells me that his kids really bought into the system that he wanted to do. He recognized the talent he had this year. They had to play a certain, they had a great face-off guy and had to slow it down a little bit and play play really good defense. And, and the team bought into that and they almost scored, you know, a, a, a first round upset against Sauhegan. You know, he and he said in that, that they were down, um, Sauhegan was up 3-2 at halftime of that game. You know, and I, and I asked him about that. I was like, did you, you know, you, you couldn't have felt too bad about that being, you know, being that they, you know, they'd been down actually, I think two nothing and three one for a while in the first half. And he's like, no, you know, we that's the way we've played all year. We've had to come from behind in the second half of pretty much every game this year. So they were right where they wanted to be. It's just that I think Sauhegan's offense, you know, was just a little too much. Um, it, you know, good game from uh, Nick Jordan with three goals. One that was really one of those. I, I kind of wish I'd gotten some video of it because it's one of those ones that that just shows you know a little bit of toughness there where he gets a um a ground ball off a re you know a rebound um right in the middle of the defense in front of the crease and and three guys converged on him and he just you know took fired everything away. he had fired away and it just got in under the crossbar like nicked the inside of the net and, and dropped down for for a goal um just a a, a really tough nose play yeah, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think there were a lot of kids like that. That uh, you know, I think the Hall brothers uh, playing together throughout the year. You know, they were they were kind of leaders and motivators in, in keeping that team together. Um, you know, the Manning brothers. I know Jack's injured right now, but you know, there there was a tight knit group, and uh, so you know, really great to see them, uh, ad, uh, you know, advance on there. Um, the other game that was interesting was uh, Exeter Concord. That game was tied at one point, and I believe. Was it was it tied at halftime or was it, I think it was I it think was a six four. I think um, Concord had a lead in the first half, and I think Exeter pulled out in front by halftime. But it was an eight six game with it about six minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, so uh, you know that was a game that ultimately Exeter was able to pull away, and that score looks a lot more comfortable than it was. But you know, again, kudos to Coach Smith for for the job that he did with with the Concord team this year. Um, you know, really with not uh, a tremendous a lot of frontline guys on there, a lot of stars on, on the team there. Um, you know, it's it's a – they had, they, had, they had opportunities yeah. throughout the year, and they made the most of it. That, that win over Londonderry in the beginning of the year was, was super impressive. Oh, it turned out and to be huge, yeah. they kept rattling off wins like that throughout the season. And I believe they're a pretty young team. Um, you know, they – again, they were kind of in the same situation as Sauhegan going through – a non-playoff year last year, um, fewer wins than Sauhegan had. I think they only won three games a year ago, you know. And getting those kids into the playoffs this year, they're gonna. I think they've got a lot back coming back, so that's big for them. The other side of that, um, you know, I know there's been talk. You know, you saw the story in the Union Leader last week. You know, can Exeter, you know, crash the Pinkerton BG party this year? Um, you know, and you you look to that early season game that they had with Pinkerton. They only lose by one. You know, I think. They, you know, they needed a tremendous game from Henry Vogt and goal that that game. And it's probably going to take that again. It's going to take it again. And I and but they they seem when I've seen them and from what I've read and and seen uh, on, on on film is they just they have a hard time putting together that full game. The full game. And I, that's right. what you need to beat one of these two teams. Um, I just don't know if they can. It, they're going to have to do that. Wednesday, or it Tuesday. may take another year. They're they're a very young team, and and those kids with another year together, you know, that that may and a little more depth behind them. I think that's one thing that the you know that 
if we look at both of these semifinal matchups, Bishop Girton and Pinkerton can just throw waves of guys at, at the two teams they're playing in Sauhegan and Exeter that, that may not be able to be matched. Um, and like you said, so you'd have to play a perfect game. Your goalies, that both teams, Sauhegan and Exeter, have two very good goalies that, you know, if they play, if they're playing at their peak and the team around them plays smart and they slow the pace of the game down, neither Sauhegan or Exeter can, can run with, with Bishop Girton and Pinkerton. They're going to have to find a pace that, uh, that, it, that makes Bishop Girton and Pinkerton uncomfortable. Um, and, and that's, you know, I give, um, I, I would give both of them a lot of credit if they, if they were able to do that because it, it's not going to be easy with the athletes that both teams can throw at them. You know, when we get to this point in the year, I find myself in a bit of a, a dilemma personally because, you know, as a, as a media guy, I, I like the best story. I want the, the best story. And at the semifinal round, the best story, I feel like, is the upset right and it and it it hasn't happened it doesn't happen um but man would i you know i want to be there i want to i want to watch oh man can you believe that happened um uh, but then i think ahead to the final and what's the best story in the final it's pinkerton bg um i you know i was talking with a, another media member the other day who does not really follow lacrosse much he was helping out to, f to fill in at a game and um you know he said it's really it's our biggest sporting event here in new hampshire high school sports is the Division One boys lacrosse final between Pinkerton and BG, and I'm sure there's a lot of you out there, you know, the listening to that are getting mad at me right now because of, you know, y you're tired of nobody those teams. Wants to yeah. see, nobody wants um, to see the Cardinals and the Astros but playing. But it's again, it's it's true. I at this as of this present we say day, it's we true. We don't want it. We say we don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, from a spectator standpoint, those two teams going up against each other, the the amount of talent, not just Division One talent, but players that are all going to you know a lot of players that are going to college across the board um I, I on some level you can you can want other to see other teams in there but i think you got to embrace it and appreciate it for what for what it is it's really really good lacrosse you know there were a lot of uh articles that were written i think in the nashua telegraph and other places last year that said hey you know we should really be appreciating what's happening in this state right now there isn't another sport out there right now that is producing the division one college athletes that lacrosse is um, you know, in our state, and we should really be celebrating that. And and those are two programs that are doing that. Um, you know, the two teams they're playing, Sauhegan and Exeter, they're starting to produce those athletes as well. You know, what's it? You know, what's it? What's that old saying? The a rising the tide, cream rise to the top, you know, or something. Yeah, raises right, all okay, ships. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, and, I, and sorry, I got I got the wrong wrong <laughs> metaphor there. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's you know, it's kind of what's happening. Um, as long as, but unfortunately, along with that rising tide, the two biggest ships continue right. to rise yeah. with it. Yeah. But it is it is bringing along all the other athletes in the state there. And so we are getting a lot of good things out of that perpetual matchup there. So I would say it'll end someday. This is not <laughs> that someday, though. A lot of people are looking towards, you know, if uh, if and when, you know, Coach Coach O'Reilly and, and Coach Cameron decide to hang it up, you know, how does that coaching change affect there? I think both teams have plans in place for for the coaching turnover there, but that could change the landscape, and that might be it. So, um, let's so changing landscapes. Yeah, let's talk more. Let's talk some more predictions here because I'm going to toot my own horn right. again. Uh, Division two. I feel like this was, I, you know, this is a little bit harder. Trying to pick 14 teams to uh, fit into the shoehorn into this um, this playoff prediction. Pulled up what I had at the beginning of the season, um, with the exception of two teams, one of which only finished a game out. I had 12 of the 14 teams right there. Uh, the two that I had in that weren't didn't make it Conval 
Cole Brown that finished a half game behind. I was going to say, Cole Brown narrowly made it in. Yeah, almost made it in. Um, Of course, now I'm drawing a blank for a second here, who I didn't have in um, because there's just so many teams. Kingswood I didn't have in there, and somebody else. Who's missing? Oh, you left Uh, out St. Thomas. Nope, St. Thomas Thomas is on there. Merrimack's on there. Manchester Central, that's who I didn't have on there. So apologies to those teams, but you you proved me wrong. Congratulations. Um, but still if you look impressive. at this tier still two. pretty impressive, 12 out of 14 teams. I also had the final four correct, too. Dead on. Mm-hmm. Dead on. Exact, exact yeah. final four teams there. Very so impressive. I maybe, maybe I know what I'm talking about. No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, but, you know, we had, um, you know, one kind of minor upset there. Goffstown beating Hollis Brookline 5 over a 4, but. I don't know if you'd necessarily call that an upset, you know, between two teams that are pretty close. Especially with, um, un- especially the way with unbalanced schedules. Right, this year. the unbalanced scheduling. Any, you know, everybody yeah. equally, um, you know, and I mean, is is a, a five beaten a four is as close to an evenly matched uh, round as you can get. You know, but I think the big s- surprise or the big eye opener for everybody um, in the D two quarterfinals was that Portsmouth Merrimack Valley game. Um, you know, where Portsmouth. You know, sneaks by a goal against the Pride. Um, didn't you know? Not that that didn't give Merrimack Valley a chance, but certainly Portsmouth was the favored team in that game. And and um, you know, you've, if you'd asked me going into it, I probably would have expected them to win. You know, maybe three, four, or five goals, and and, and one especially was at home. I would have. Yeah. I would have expected on turf. I would have. I would have expected them to be a little bit more comfortable. But that's a gritty, hard-nosed Merrimack Valley team. Uh, and like we talked about, that that had been together for a long time, all played on the town team, the Blue Storm, um, and they've got a great goalie, um, you know, and they've got some key offensive players that, that can keep them in the game, and, and I think it was a little bit of an underrated defense um, there. So, and, and Portsmouth is a team that, you know, is becoming more dangerous as the tournament goes on. Everybody knows about Cole Brahms, but not everybody knows. They've had some injuries, and they've had some younger kids having to step into the lineup, and uh, so I think, you know, they're kind of figuring things out on the fly. They're figuring out chemistry on the fly and uh, how to use all those things. So um, that's that's going to be a great, you know, a rematch. You've got Winnicunit and Portsmouth, a rematch of a great regular season game where Winnicunit pulled, I guess what you would call a shocker at the time. When, uh, yeah, you know, at the, yeah, at the time. They hadn't, yeah. beaten, they hadn't beaten Portsmouth in a very long time during the regular season or in the postseason period. Um, but again, I think anyone really looking at Division Two coming into the season had Winnicott as one of the teams to beat this year, based on the talent they were returning, the number of seniors, uh, and just offensive and defensive weapons they had. You know, what are the what are the chances that maybe Portsmouth, you know, was they got caught looking ahead to that semifinal again, you know, a potential semifinal against Winnicott? I, I, I think that can play. I think that can play into it. Sure, you know, you, you're looking at the the you know you got a nice home game there. Uh, Merrimack Valley at times has been a little up and down and, um, you know, hadn't been hadn't been playing as well as they could have. And then you're looking across the bracket and you're seeing, wow, we've probably got a matchup with with our crosstown rivals coming up there. So that, that can definitely be part of it. Uh, I'm really, yeah, I'm interested to see how that one goes. Of course, you know, neither one of us saw that regular season game live. Um, really excited to see how that looked. And Winnicott kind of has, and we talked about that, having, having a, a, a right rough... Now. A rough start. They started out the year zero and three, and now they've won thirteen in a row. And I'm pretty sure, um, you know, they haven't given up double-digit goals all year except for that first game of the year against Nashua South. They gave up fifteen. Um, you know, gave up nine to you guys in the next game of the season. 
And other than that, it's the, the highest total has been eight against Portsmouth and Hollis Brookline. So, you know, they've been a really strong defensive team this year. Um, really interested to see how that, you know, what changes maybe get made, what adjustments happen going into Wednesday. Well, you've got to be ready. I mean, anybody that knows Winnicott, it knows that you're going up against a zone. And uh, so you've got you've to be prepared for that. Um, I'm, I'm sure Portsmouth is. Um, you know, and the other factor, the other X factor they have is obviously Cole Brahms, you know, and his ability in the faceoff circle there. So Winnicott has to play has to play smart in those regards. Like, if they don't give them transition and, and keep them from running and gunning, um, I, I they, they've got more than a good shot. They proved it the first time around that they, they can play that way. Um, you know, and, and they're big and physical, and there's that crosstown rivalry, and there's a lot of uh, extracurriculars on the field there. I think that's. I think it's going to be a very heated game uh, there that has the potential to be really exciting come come the fourth quarter. Uh, the other semifinal, of course, um, a rematch of a game that happened so long ago. It snowed during that game, um, and I'm not saying it was last week. It feels like it <laughs> snowed last week, but no, really, the first uh, first week of the season back in April, Derryfield Goffstown. Um, that game was I, I want to say what like seven one at one point. And, and Goffstown was able to come back as things got a little weird. 9-6 was the final. Um, you know, they're, you know, at the time, it's a game where you look at it and you say, okay, they play on grass. They probably haven't been outside very much. We've got the advantages here, you know, in some certain spots because of that. And that's not going to be the case. Not going to be the case anywhere. It's two completely different teams, two teams that have matured and grown up as the season gone, has gone along. Um, you know, we spoke earlier of uh, – you know how um, Goffstown is a team that at the beginning of the season maybe had uh, one or two guys that they were relying on, and now they've built some chemistry and have uh, you know have a good have good chemistry with all of their offensive players on the field there. Um, so they're different in those regards. They've had a full season for their goalie uh, to get you know uh, shots under his belt and feel more comfortable there too. Um, so you know I um, I. I I think it's too it, it's dangerous for my guys in the fact that you know okay we we won that game early in the season we were missing our starting goaltender one of our starting defensemen only played a quarter in that game it'd be very easy for my guys to look at that game and go oh yeah we're probably going to be fine in this game you know we'll just move on I told him I said remember what it was like against Wyndham last year right and have that same feel I have no doubt my guys will take them very seriously because they deserve to be taken seriously that's a, that's a team with a lot of weapons and coach Lewis is a, is a great coach so um, we'll be ready come Wednesday night. The other thing that I find interesting is this is now the third year in a row where it's sort of been a uh, uh, seacoast final and a and a central so final or a south yeah, final, yeah. however you want to get it. Non-seacoast. Like Non-seacoast. <laughs> it seems like the bracket has set itself up as a, a seacoast versus uh, central south final. Was it Portsmouth-Dover on the other, si other side of the bracket the last two years? The other last two years. Um, and then the year before that, it was a little bit different, where it was uh, Derryfield, Goffstown, and uh, it was Portsmouth, Hollis, Brookline, right? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it just seems like we sort of had <laughs> divisional. We've talked about for, uh, Sean Houlihan was uh, for a long time. We've talked about creating sort of an east-west divisional break like that. I would love and, to see uh, something like that. It, yeah, it'd be kind of interesting how it's kind of kind of set yeah. up like that. Um, you know, we talked about Winnicott's win streak, and Goffstown has put together a nice little run of their own. They've won 11 in a row after starting 2-4 uh, and four to the season. They also had a pretty tough start. Um, you know, they had a couple losses there against Timberlane, Winnicott, and Portsmouth. 
um, kind of early in that in the season. But the the thing with them is is and uh, I saw them. You know, they opened up in the prelims with Wyndham um, and had to make a pretty big comeback there. I actually come back in big in the sense that momentum was not going their way. I don't think they were ever down by more than three goals, but they needed to really turn things around in that second half. And the big thing was, is, is it, or one of the big things that, that Coach Lewis mentioned after the game was the fact that they hadn't played. They hadn't played. Their last game of the season was uh, May 21st, 11 days in between, or excuse me, nine days in between games there. You know, they, they had a blowout win over Conval. You go back, the previous game before that was six days before, they had a blowout win over Kennett. So they're going almost like two and a half weeks without a really challenging game. And, and you know, they, they seem to have turned it around pretty I'll be quick. Honestly, I, was, I was worried with my guys on Saturday about that because it had been a full – it had been over – it had been eight days since we played our last, our last real game. It was nice to have BG over for a joint practice, but again, it's only a joint practice. You don't you don't get the same feel right. as you would there. So yeah, I was I was definitely worried about that. Um, you know, I think once you get to the final four, you you throw those kind of things out the window. Every team they know it's do or die time, and uh, you know I think these two both games in Division Two are going to be hotly contested come come Wednesday night. Also on Wednesday, uh, you've got the Division Three semifinals that are up in Laconia. Um, you know, haven't seen too much on a couple of the games from the quarterfinals um, outside of final scores, but it really sounds like on the one side, you know, we talked about that Monadnock Trinity game as potentially it was a close one during the regular season. Um, you know, Monadnock seemed like it made all of the right adjustments, um, you know, for that game because they came out and just put it on Trinity. I think it was Blitzed eight nothing at one point or eight one, seventeen four was the final, and they look like you know, and the the thing that probably. You know, maybe in D1 it doesn't matter as much. D2 maybe a little bit less. D3, I think, you know, you look at the Manad- that Monadnock team, and there is a big core of that team that just won a championship in football this fall and came, was one goal away from winning a championship in hockey this this past winter. Those kids are on the on the lacrosse team too, and you got to imagine that they're they're looking at Hopkinton and saying we got a chance. We get it. We got more than a chance. We went to Hopkinton during the regular season, lost by a goal, and now we're getting them on a neutral site field. You know, we're feeling good. We beat a good. We beat a good Trinity team. That I'm excited for that for that uh, for that semifinal game there. And and not to mention too, um, the hockey kids lost that final to the John Stark Hopkinton Co-op team. So I'm sure there's a little bit, a little bit extra going there too. Yeah. But you know, Hopkinton comes out with a, a, a you know, a, a what looks like a tight 10-2 win there. You know, very you know not eye-opening or any by any means, but. You know, they got in, got business done, and, and moved on to the next round. The one that was eye-opening to me was the uh, Laconia-Campbell game, where Campbell was actually up 2 nothing. Right, they were up early. Game. It was a tight tight game throughout. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Laconia able to find. The other thing The other thing that's interesting is, uh, you know, we, we've, over the years, moved games away from Stelos because of the home field advantage that Bishop Girton has had. We don't allow games at Bedford because of the potential home field advantage that that would bring. But yet we have games at Exeter and we have games at Laconia, and this year we have again two teams that are that are playing in semifinal rounds on their home on field, their home yeah. field. So it's interesting. Uh, I, 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 well, I find it again. I think in the end, you know, the the better team does win, but it, it does add an, add an advantage for those for those teams. And uh, I, I just don't understand why we can't get. You know, St. Anselm or SNU or some of these nice neutral site venues, a UNH, 
uh, available for, you know, for the playoffs. I know. There are great atmospheres there. Before, when, when the girls and boys playoffs used to line up more, before you had the boys finals all being on one Saturday, they used to do that with the girls. The girls were, um, I want to say it was Division One, Division Two on that first Saturday at SNU, back to back to you know four games in a row. Because I remember, I remember some years doing stuff for the Telegraph, and let's say like, you know, BG or Merrimack was playing in a D two game, like the first D two semifinal, and then Sauhegan had like the late D one final. I'd go to that first game, leave, and go to something else, yeah. and come back for the last game. I remember doing that, and then they would play D three there on Sunday, which they don't play anything on Sunday anymore either. I, I'm. It, it's it's really difficult from uh, you know coaches I'm I'm sure it, I'm, I can't imagine it matters too much because you're focusing on your own stuff for for from my perspective you know I look at Wednesday and I'm like you got four semifinal game boys games you've got a girls final going on Tuesday you got two semifinals and two girls finals it's like I want to see these yeah. I want to. I want to be able to write about them. I want to report on. I want to have photos from them. Why, you know? Well, I think from there's a parent, nothing going on from Thursday. a parent perspective too, it makes it tough too. Because if you're Pelham, right? That game, that game. Luckily, that game's not till seven fifteen. But it's much easier for Laconia to get their parents there at seven fifteen than yeah. it is for Pelham yeah, parents who might be working and driving yeah. up there. Um, so there, is, in that respect, there there is a big there is a big advantage to that. Um, you know, I, I, I think about well, what if we just what if we had the Division One finals in Laconia and the Division Two in Bill Ball and the Division Three in in uh, Stellos? Well, that takes care of it. But then you know you do have to you do have to take into account that these things do cost money. There's traveling. It does make much given the location of the Division Three schools. It does make much more sense to have a neutral site venue like like Laconia. Well, it isn't neutral, but uh, a, a venue right. closer up there. Yeah, yeah. But why not Plymouth State? Why not, why not well, let's not go there, crazy you know, like there. Let's, let's <laughs> <laughs> do they, they don't have a turf field up so, there, though, do they? Um, off the top of my head, I, I don't know if they that's have a turf probably, field. That's, that's probably why. That's I, probably don't, why. I don't know the last time that they've played a, a semifinal or a final on, on a grass field. That's, but, but, okay, so looking at that, I mean, why not use – I don't know. One place we haven't talked about is um, Manchester West. Yep. I was over there a couple of weeks ago. Um, I hadn't been over there in a while. That field is gorgeous. It is, it is field. a fantastic field. The only thing I would say about that is, is there might the, be the, an issue with parking. The parking is not great. Yeah. yeah. But they but they've had they've had semifinals and finals there before. Yep. I remember my first couple of years here, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, you know, I remember going to cover Hollis Brookline in the, in D three um, and Sauhegan in D one over at that field. Uh, I, I think the the solution to a lot of this comes comes to snoo. If we, if the NHIA can work out a reasonable cost there. I mean, they're going to have two turf fields available there, right. so you could you could run games on either side, conceivably on the same day if you needed to, and um, and the parking there is phenomenal. It's a it's a central location for all teams. I wouldn't mind if Dairyfield was still in the playoffs <laughs> in those years. We could walk across the street, but it's it's a uh, it's a nice venue for for many other schools as well. Uh, a central location there, so. St. Anselm, that's a, that's a, you know we've done battles there in years there, past. Yeah. That's a fantastic place to hold one. So I don't know, maybe hopefully in the years to come that we'll be able to work something out where, yeah. where we can hold those there. Well, before we get to all that, we do have girls finals to talk about too. Yes, those coming up, uh, of course, two on Tuesday. You have the D three and then the D two final uh, at SNU, and then Wednesday you get the D one final also at SNU. Um, you know, let's go in order. D three five o'clock tomorrow or 5 o'clock on Tuesday, 
Hopkinson and Dairy Field. Rematch a great regular yeah. season game, one that was close in the first half with, with Hopkinson pulling away in the second half. Um, you know, I, I, I've said in this game, you know, obviously I'm a little bit biased. I, I think uh, – What? No. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's Dairy Field? I think field. my girls are the underdog <laughs> in this game, clearly. Oh, no, no doubt. had an amazing game or amazing year. However – I do believe that, that, that the Dairyfield girls do possess the talent to be able to win this game, especially if they play smart. Um, I don't think it's any secret that um, you know they don't want to get into a track meet with, with Hopkinson. I think Hopkinson has uh, some, some really good athletes in the middle of the field. I think, um, you know, as always in most girls' games, draws are going to be hugely, hugely uh, important here because that's going to dictate the pace of the game. If they allow Hopkinson to play make it, take it, then, um, then it could be a long day for Dairy Field. But I think with, uh, with Shauna and Nett and uh, some other girls like Olivia Strong and Lucy Licata there that can, that can help dictate the pace of play, they, they've got a good shot at it. But it's going to be tough. I mean, Hopkinson has proven game after game that, uh, you know, teams can throw their best at them, but they, they've put up big numbers. I mean, that was an impressive win over a good bow team in, in, the, and, in and the semifinals. They were there. shorthanded, too. They um, ended up losing – um, Lyndon Flanagan to yeah, two yellow players, cards two early yellow in cards. the game. Yeah. yeah, So they played most of the game without her. That regular season game, though, like you, you mentioned, the track meet, that's what it started out as. Derryfield made some great stops on defense early in that game, and maybe the first 10 minutes to keep it from, from getting out of hand early. I mean, it was on, you know, they don't make those plays, and maybe it's a 5 nothing game, you know, Quickly. really out of the gate. Um, really were able to hang in there. And, and the other thing, too, was just I think they had opportunities, too, in that first half and just weren't able to take it full advantage of them. So that's, well, that both that's goal something. Th- both goaltenders yeah. were impressive in, the, in, they that, were, first, yeah. in that first yeah. game that we played. You know, I knew Shauna was good, um, but, you know, I, I was really impressed with, uh, with the Hopkinson goalie as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think that's going to be – I think it's going to be a great game. It's two teams that are close by. I think there's going to be a great crowd there. Um, so it should make should make for a, fir- uh, a great first game of the night. Yeah, and, and then the second game, a uh, hopefully seven o'clock start. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the round three, or or I guess if you want to go I'm back, surprised they have it as a seven o'clock start. The boys' games they've moved to seven fifteen. They? I don't moved, know. Maybe yeah. it might be the boys' I, game. Well, it is, it is listed as a seven o'clock start on there. But the, okay. the boys' games, uh, I know at least in Division Two, there's the five o'clock game, and then they they just pushed it to seven fifteen hmm. because. You know, it, you need Turner, some warm-up yeah, time. Is, you got to do, yeah. you got to do announcements and anthem and all that kind of stuff. So us media anyway. folks have to get our, our interviews in. And there you go. You know, if you're there at seven, yeah. you're probably going to be fine. So, but uh, you I know, a rematch of, of of two teams that know each other well, that played each other twice during the regular season. One a, a one goal game the first time around, and then a little bit more of a comfortable win a, for Portsmouth nine, the second nine goal time win. around. Yeah. Um, um, I, well, you mentioned you know, their second or third time meeting this year. Um, if you go back, I mean, this is their uh, eighth time meeting in the last three years because they also played in the final two years ago in 2017. But you look at that, Portsmouth won 15-6 to back on May 6th. And at that point, that loss dropped Winnicunnet to 4-5 and on the year. And I know you and I talked a little bit about, you know, Winnicunnet had just come off one-goal losses to uh, Bedford, to Hollis Brookline, and to Pinkerton. And, you know, and then they get blown out by Portsmouth. And we wondered, uh-oh, are they... They're reeling. They, you know, what's going on with them? And since then, all they've done is win games, including a big semifinal win there over Hollis Brookline. You know, two days before, you, you just don't know the circumstances before that. Two days before that, they play they play a one goal game with Bedford. You and know, they were that injuries. Bedford in that had game? to come were back they, and win that right. game. Yeah, were there injuries in that, in that game? Were they missing girls? Was there was there sickness going on around the team? I know we've gone through that throughout the season. 
Um, I, I think I think this is this has all the makings of another really tight game. Winnicott had an incredibly impressive 15-9 win over Hollis Brookline in the semifinals. Uh, a Hollis Brookline team that gave Portsmouth everything they could handle at the end of the season and proved they were for real. And for Winnicott to be able to slice through their defense and put up 15 goals like that, um, you know, I think we're I think we're set up for another another great championship. Portsmouth, just anyone that was wondering, in the last three years has lost one game to a Division II team. And that was not this year. Uh, I believe last year they lost to Hanover. Um, so they've been on quite a run, you know, within their division. Um, all their all Outside of that game last year, all of their losses the last three years have been against D1 teams. Uh, it's, it's pretty it, impressive, yeah, and a credit a credit to Coach Squire for uh, for putting together a you know a challenging schedule like that year in and year out. And then speaking of D one, we've got the the last girls final Wednesday night, seven o'clock start at SNU. Um, you know, I think we went into the semifinals. Surprising, huh? You know, we went into last week saying you know. Any of the four teams that were in that semifinal, it wouldn't surprise us who got there. What would surprise us is the blowout. Um, we didn't get, you know, BG needed to hang on at the end to beat Bedford 10-9. The other game, that one was, uh, uh, I think it got into running, or it is, wasn't running time in that second half. Pinkerton just uh, cruised past Sauhegan 16-5. to That one, I guess that, that would have been the game if you'd have told me that was going to be a blowout. If it was going to be a blowout, that yeah, would have been, that was the I, one. I did not expect that. Um, you know, Sauhegan was hitting on all cylinders. They won 15 to one over Nashua, a good Nashua South team, a Nashua South team with with three three Division one Division one All State members on first team All State members there. Um, you know, and and a great goalie in Alex Lebros. Uh, so uh, you know, definitely an impressive win. One that would definitely get the attention. You know, not that Bishop Girton would be looking past them putting medals around their neck already, but um, I think Pinker this again going to be going to be in a hotly contested uh really good final game you know when these two played in the regular season um i expected it to be pretty close it was early um bg went on a run uh the midpoint of that first half in going into halftime i want to say they were up by as many as like seven or eight at one point in the first half and i thought you know wow i i, I mean i i expected this to be such a tighter game i mean wonder what's going on actually i want to take that back i think it got to like seven or eight early in the second half and then all of a sudden, it was like Pinkerton flipped the switch, and in the last 15 minutes or so, just came storming right back. It was just too big of a hole for them to get out of. And since that point, you know, as they like to say, all they've done is win. Like it's just, you know. Well, and I think huge. the, impre the impressive part is the change in their defense as well right. since then. They yeah. gave up 16 goals against Bishop Girton. Since then, they've had one, two, three, four games where they've given up double-digit goals. Uh, and their offense has really come under fire, too. So I, I think uh, Coach Daziel has done a, a great job of, of looking at the strengths of his girls and, and t uh, catering his defense to play a style that, uh, that suits them. The game that really uh, opened eyes for me that their defense was coming around is the, the day after coming off of playing Winnicunit, they turn around and beat Portsmouth 13-7, to a high-powered Portsmouth team, a team that put up 20 goals in the semifinal round and held them to seven. Um, you know, they've got two really good goaltenders on their team, which isn't an easy thing to manage, um, you know, and they're using them effectively. You can look at their schedule and say, well, you know, maybe it's not as – maybe the, the back half of their schedule hasn't been as strong. You're still averaging – I'm going to guess 
around six, seven goals against a game. Looking at looking at that on the back half of their schedule since Bishop Girton, um, an impressive you know an impressive back half of the season. Yeah, well, you you look at their final nine games, their last nine games, they haven't scored fewer. Actually, that semifinal game was the first time they'd scored less than 17 goals, you know, going back to early May. I mean, just, just a remarkable run. They have so many – both teams have so many different offensive players that can can contribute and, and take over a game um, if need be. It just depends on what the matchups are, and I think yeah. that's really going to be interesting. I, I think Pinkerton I think Pinkerton has uh, the front-line players. I'm not sure they have the depth that BG does. BG has, has a – a really unique situation this year, where that where they can where they can send two or three lines, you know, Coach Carey can can rotate in a number of girls to keep fresh. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how she plays that and and does she choose to use it in that way? Does she trust those girls in that situation, and and use that depth to her advantage, or does she play it a little tighter to the vest and and maybe play more of the more experienced girls? Um, the tough part with that is she's got some really talented younger girls on that team too. So we've got, as we said, the girls' finals coming up Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll uh, run through the, the schedule again real quick. you got uh, D3 at 5 o'clock on Tuesday, uh, Dairy Field against Hopkinton. Following that up at 7, you've got the D2 final, Winnicott in Portsmouth. Then on Wednesday, uh, girls lacrosse finishes up for the year with uh, Pinkerton and BG at 7 o'clock at SNU, all, all three of those games at SNU. And then you've also got boys semifinals. Uh, Tuesday's Division One at Bill Ball Stadium in Exeter. You get Exeter and Pinkerton at five, followed by um, BG and Sauhegan at 7:15. Wednesday you've got the D2 boys finals or semifinals, excuse me, uh, over at Stello Stadium in Nashua. Uh, early game is is another Portsmouth Winnicott matchup at five, and then Dairyfield Goffstown at 7:15, and then up in Laconia. Also Wednesday, you've got uh, Hopkinton and Monadnock playing at 5, Pelham and Laconia at 7.15. And, of course, the boys' finals will all be on Saturday at, at Bill Ball Stadium starting at 2.30. Um, should be a really exciting week. Looks like we're going to have great weather for the whole thing. And really, um, really looking forward to it. A little sad that the season's already, already coming to an end. Feels like we just started doing this, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago. But um, should be a really exciting week, I think. I can't wait. Uh, I mean, I think I think every one of these games on the girls' side for the finals has potential to be a one-goal game or overtime games, and um, you know the semifinal matchups on the boys' side. You know, we got I think we got the teams that we wanted in there. Maybe not. You know, our listeners may not have the teams <laughs> they wanted there, but um, you know, I think as far as uh, the potential for great games and and uh, games that'll pique the interest of the viewers, where we we got what we we got what we bargained right. for. We got what we wanted. Well, next week, uh, we will be back at our uh, regular uh, regular day. Uh, you'll be listening to us on Thursday. Uh, we're going to wrap up the championship games next week, and then you'll get an extra week. Uh, the following week, we'll be discussing uh, the season as a whole. Um, you know, so we look forward to doing that, and, and, and thank you for listening. He is uh, Dairyfield Boys coach Chris Hetler. Chris, thanks again for joining me. Joe, no problem. It's been uh, it's been a great season, and uh, looking looking forward to, to wrapping it all up with you in the coming weeks. I am Joe Marcellina. Thanks again for listening.